0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today, back on the air here for the next hour. We got you covered everything going on in fantasy football, little baseball manager news, and of course, college football which really is in focus this weekend because the national championship picture is going to look one way or the other after the weekend. Will Clemson stay in it by beating Notre Dame with a backup quarterback? BYU tonight playing on the Smurf turf as four-point favorites. Do they go ahead and beat (laughs) Boise State and stay into the top four? Florida, Georgia, only one of these two teams is going to end up being in, I would guess, the college football playoff. The winner tonight would take a leg up at the SEC and the SEC East. Welcome back to the show, Craig Mish. Joe Pizapia, I, I think come Monday, Joe, that the uh, college football playoff is going to be a little bit more in view after we get through some of the games this weekend. College football has been fantastic at the start. We've had about a month mm-hmm. of it, but now we're starting to get down to the really big games. And by the way, the Pac-12 returns this weekend, too. So all of the conferences that have decided to come back are back this weekend.
2: Yeah, you get everybody back. And on top of it, you also got Clemson, Notre Dame. So I mean, that's pretty fun right there. Now it's obviously uh, Trevor Lawrenceless less <laughs> Clemson, but I don't know. I'm kind of with you. I feel like Clemson's got enough there that uh, I don't know how close this game is going to be. I understand Notre Dame's a good football program. I think we all know that, but it feels like whenever you get anybody who's outside of that Clemson, Alabama group, and all of a sudden they come in and play one of those teams. It's like, oh, right. That's the highest level of college football, so it's always like a reckoning, I feel like, so we'll see. We'll see what happens if the Fighting Irish have enough fight in them, but it's a lot of good college football this weekend and a lot of great NFL football as well with that Sunday night matchup that is really marquee, so a lot of fun stuff to take your mind off of. I don't know, anything else going on just in case you need it. Fair enough. Let's
1: get started here. And the mind of Alex Cora is back on the Boston Red Sox. The question is, did it ever leave? That'll be an interesting story. What were you doing for the past year, Alex Cora? Were you, (laughs)
3: you
1: know, sort of watching the Red Sox games every day, assuming you were going to get back in? He probably did. South Florida resident Alex Cora is back as the Boston Red Sox manager in 2021 after being suspended for a year from Major League Baseball. The Las Vegas Raiders, they are going to be without a draft pick in next year's draft because they basically broke protocols two or three different times, had parties and didn't wear their masks the right way. And the Raiders are being set as an example right now. We'll see if the rest of the NFL follow suit here and pays more attention to that number nine BYU plays number 21 Boise State it's on the road BYU opened up as a three-point favorite it is up to four if BYU wins they are right in the in the picture here to play in the college football playoff because of course a lot of teams at the top are going to play each other we'll see uh, what happens tonight really big game on a Friday night Also, number 11, Miami takes on NC State in the ACC. Miami is a better team, of course, on paper. We'll see how they do on the road. Pac-12 is back on Saturday. Some pretty good matchups, I think, although I haven't seen a lot of reports from the Pac-12 over the last month. It's kind of like they just got to get back on the field and go. And hopefully, Joe, they have better luck than some of these other teams like Wisconsin in particular in the Big Ten. They started back up and they've had to stop over the last couple of weeks. So um, I I know that we don't pay as much attention to the COVID issues in college football, but they are very prevalent. We have a team here in South Florida, FIU, Florida International University, home of T.Y. Hilton uh i don't i think they've played one game and missed the last 5 due to covid mm-hmm. issues so it's just that kind of season and in the end i do think we will crown a very good college football champion but just like the super bowl in the nfl there's going to be some bumps along the road
2: Hey, look, we got the World Series happening. I don't think anybody thinks anything less of the Dodgers winning this year. In fact, maybe even more for getting through the 60 game war of attrition that was possibly more tense than 162 because of the circumstances surrounding it. So yeah, all the champions are legitimate this year. I don't want to hear anybody else. And I also don't want to hear anybody tell me that a 6th round pick is not a big deal that the Raiders got tapped here. It is a big deal. It's a big deal in the NFL to lose a draft pick period. End of story, especially for a team that's considering and continuing to build uh, back up to where they want to be. And they're still, I think, woefully behind the Kansas city chiefs, the class of that division. So this is a huge deal. And I think it has a lot of ripple effects. I think everybody's on notice now because when the NFL has taken away six round draft picks, because you're not following protocols properly well, everybody better fall in line. And I'll tell you what, you'll see guys cut. You'll see more issues of this because I'm telling you right now, six-round pick is a big deal in the NFL, okay? And anybody who knows what they're talking about will tell you because I've seen some sentiment out there already on the social media, like, well, a six-round pick. What do you mean, well, six-round pick? That's a big deal. Well, <laughs>
1: uh, uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll say this. If, they, if, if it was a seventh-round pick, it would be a joke. So I don't know how that you go from a joke to it being serious as a sixth round pick. But I think you're making more of a statement by saying we're not going to make this a joke. We're actually going to take a pick away that has a chance. But realistically speaking, Joe, seventh round picks in the NFL almost never make it in the league. Almost almost, zero. It's almost
2: the pick equity, though. You know this and I know this, too. When you have that pick that you can move up and trade and things like that. When you take away any draft pick from a team that's really still trying to build up a roster... I think it's tough, especially for somebody like Mike Mayock, who's come in there and been tasked with rebuilding the Raiders basically from scratch. I think whenever you're trying to move up a pick, if you're trying to package a, a four and a six and something else to move up in a, in a round even, it's, that's the hard part. It's, it's that swapping that goes on when you like a player that's still on the board. Yeah, okay, it's only a six, but any draft pick getting taken away in the NFL draft, maybe not a seventh, but even a six, I think is a big deal.
1: You know, it, it's more of the point to just, I think, make an example to say, hey, look what can happen, and basically right. gave the pick away for nothing. I mean, that's, that's I think, more along the lines of that. But, uh, okay, coming up next, it's time for us to dive deeper into the FS slate over on FanDuel. Jim Sanis is going to join us. We'll go through every position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. We even have a couple of tight ends potentially. To play. And then coming off a pretty good week in the Super Contest, Howard Bender will join me. We'll give you some of our leans. And a couple of strong leans, I think, going into the weekend. We'll see if we end up using those. We have to make the picks uh, tomorrow night. But we'll give you our final leans of the week coming up next. Make sure you stay on the grid. Right back on Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome back. It's time to take a look at who you should be starting in your DFS lineups on FanDuel this week. Each and every week, we have Jim Sanis from Number Fire. He joins us now. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jim Sanis. And Jim, some really interesting games last week for sure. There was some weather involved, some wind involved. I wonder, what is, what is the underlying story each and every week? You always bring it like a book, a yeah. good book, every time you come on the show. I'm always curious what the prologue is for your lineups this week. <laughs> Thanks for coming on.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think the prologue for this week is that it's a really fun slate because my process in NFL DFS, Craig, is to build around game stacks. And there are logical games on this slate to build around. I think that Seattle Buffalo is the obvious one and the one that I want to go to most often. But you've also got Las Vegas, Los Angeles. That's a pretty fun game too. Denver. Atlanta is pretty interesting. If we get uh, Matthew Stafford, then Minnesota Detroit is fun, too. So It's a good slate. There are logical ways to play this, and it fits my process well for DFS. I'm pretty pumped about, uh, you know, filling out some lineups for Sunday.
1: All right, good. Well, we're going to help you do it right now, but first, as always, what we do is we take a look at some of the pricing. Let's take a look at the quarterbacks for this week and see what where they're at. We have Patrick Mahomes as the highest priced at 9300, Russell Wilson as Jim mentioned at Buffalo 9000, Kyler Murray facing off with Tua and the Dolphins 8600, Deshaun Watson off the bye 8300 at Jacksonville. Josh Allen moved down in pricing a little bit through the weeks. 8,200 now. He's priced against Seattle in that game. Lamar Jackson has moved down as well. 8,100 against that tough Indianapolis defense. Uh, Herbert at 7,900. And let's not forget about any juicy matchup when it pertains to playing against Dallas, because Ben Roethlisberger is 7,700 as well. So, uh, Jim, certainly look. Uh, there are a lot of good quarterback options, as you mentioned. Now that I'm looking at it, it does seem like fun is the word, because there's certainly a chance we see a high-scoring week, I think, this week.
4: Yeah, I agree. And that means that you need a lot of points out of your quarterback, which why, which is why I want to go to that Seattle-Buffalo game for my top two quarterbacks. Josh Allen's number one for me, because he's at home, facing just a, a terrible Seattle defense. And I love quarterbacks at home, even with no, with no crowd. I still think not having to travel is an advantage for quarterbacks, So I want my quarterback at home. Josh Allen is that. I think he's the number one quarterback on this slate because of his rushing. I would expect the efficiency to get better once again this week. And I think that it's a very easy stacking partner, too, is Stephon Diggs. So Josh Allen's number one. Russell Wilson, a very easy number two, though. If you want to go a little bit lower, Justin Herbert is facing Las Vegas. And Herbert's been awesome this year, despite having a lot of really tough matchups. And Las Vegas Is not a tough matchup, but I expect that game to be close. I expect that game to feature a good number of points. So I think that Justin Herbert is someone I'm very high on this week. To me, the top four quarterback is definitive. It is Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and then uh, Justin Herbert. You can kind of switch the order around if you want. But I think those are the four guys you want to build around this week.
1: Yeah, and Herbert's matchup is is clearly good against the Raiders. The Raiders played well last week, but I don't know that we could put too much into that given the win situation there for sure. So uh, also Watson, of course, taking on Jacksonville. Jacksonville's defense has been rough as well. A lot of good options there. You're right at quarterback this week. Stacks, as you mentioned, is the key. OK, let's look at running back. And finally, we can put Christian McCaffrey back on our list this week. 9,500 he'll return against the Kansas City Chiefs. He's the highest priced running back. Dalvin Cook at 9,300, coming off the best fantasy game for anybody in fantasy football this season. Derrick Henry at 8,900. Connor taking on Dallas, 8,200 this week. Fourth highest priced running back this week uh, on FanDuel, of course, because the matchup there. Zeke Elliott was a little banged up in practice. Seems like he's fine, though. 8,000 for him. Uh, Mike Davis is priced at 7,800. Not sure that he's a good option there, given that McCaffrey's back. And then we have Josh Jacobs closing it out at 7,700, and it's interesting, Jim, uh, Joe P and I did an exercise earlier in the week, it's going to be very hard to envision more than six or seven running backs on the season in a season-long league rushing for 1,000 yards, so this is really a week-to-week league, who is the running back this week that could put up Cookish type numbers, or as we saw last week, like Damian Harris type numbers, seems like it's just very random at this point.
4: I think that if you're looking for Dalvin Cookish type numbers, you should use Dalvin Cook because (laughs) Dalvin Cook is in a really good spot once again this week against Detroit. It's a really bad rush defense. His workload is amazing, so I think that Dalvin Cook is like the top running back this week, but also Christian McCaffrey. Uh, You said it's a week-by-week slate, and I think that's applicable here because McCaffrey I initially thought might lose some work to Mike Davis, but once you look at the full numbers between McCaffrey and Davis, McCaffrey has very clearly been the better running back, and I'd expect him to come back to a full workload this weekend he was practicing last week but did not play, and I think that bodes well for him here. Coming back to like an 80% snap rate, and that's enough given the types of targets that he gets. I think that both Cook and McCaffrey are great plays. I'd prioritize Cook first and then McCaffrey. The other running backs all kind of depend on injury situations. If we get no Kenya Drake, Chase Edmonds will be a tremendous option at $6,700. I would say he'd be my number two running back on the slate Mm -hmm. behind Dalvin Cook if we get no Kenya Drake because we know he'll catch passes. I want running backs to catch passes, and I know Chase Edmonds will do that. Other injuries to keep an eye on here, we've got the the Seattle situation right. with their running backs. DJ Dallas maybe be the only healthy guy once again as he was last week. He had 14 carries and I believe, uh, or 18 carries and 5 targets. That's a great workload for a running back in a game where I expect a lot of points. So keep an eye on him. If there's no Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins is an option. David Montgomery at $5,900, also an option. But to me, I think the top guys this week are going to Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Chase Edmonds, and then any other potential injury guys who pop up.
1: Yeah, no, it's it. The, the injuries have just really hit hard, and you're right. In Seattle, I mean, the numbers don't really tell the whole story with Dallas. You're looking for volume on a team that scores a lot of points, and Russell Wilson throws that ball in the back of the end zone. The guys don't always catch it, which means you're on the one-yard line a lot of times with a pass interference call against Lockett or Metcalf. That And, and they do tend to run every time on first right. and goal, and it's always the running back. So good call there with Dallas. I'll have to Putting him in my lineup this week. All right, wide receiver-wise, of course, we have DeAndre Hopkins leading the pack. He's off a bye at 8,800 against Miami. We have Tyreek Hill at 8,300. Julio Jones against Denver at 8,200. DK Metcalf came through last week big time, 8,100 for sure. Calvin Ridley, 8,000. Phelan of Minnesota, 7,700. Stephon Diggs at 7,600. And then A.J. Brown, will cap off here with him. At 7600 as well. And so I I don't know at this point how you sit DK Metcalf at any (laughs) price, any game. And I'm guessing with you stacking Seattle, he's got to be in that conversation
4: for sure I think that DK Metcalf is a great option but I think I actually might like Tyler Lockett a tiny bit more this week just because we're going to see DK Metcalf get Tredavious White that's not enough to avoid DK Metcalf but we did see that Metcalf against Arizona did struggle a bit in tougher coverage and that led to a lot of targets for Tyler Lockett actually 20 targets for him in that game Mm -hmm. it's kind of a similar situation this week Metcalf went off last week so I think it's not a bad spot to go to Tyler Lockett uh, for the Seahawks I also love Stefan Diggs the other side of that game. He's been getting an amazing workload so far this year. 100 plus yards in three of eight games. He's had I think 85 and two more. And We know that he is the number one target for Josh Allen. So I would say all three of those guys, Lockett, uh, Diggs, and Metcalf are tremendous options that you want to turn to pretty often. That's not to overlook Keenan Allen. It's $7,500 right between Diggs and Lockett. Allen has had I think 30% of the targets in the games he has played with Justin Herbert and Mike Williams. He's had 30% of the downfield work as well. So uh, an outstanding workload in a game that I do like quite a bit. If you want to go a little bit lower at a wide receiver, I think that Jerry Judy is interesting. He's $5,700 for Denver taking on Atlanta. The Atlanta defense is one we can definitely pick on for sure. Judy Hasn't really come through from the yardage yet, but he's getting downfield looks from Drew Locke, and those can convert when you're facing a bad Atlanta defense and playing indoors. So I think that Judy's interesting at 57. Anthony Miller, if you want to go all the way down, is $5,100, and I think that with a role change he got last week with his snap rate going up, he is at least an option if you want to have additional salary flexibility to get to guys like Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, or those $7,000 receivers we talked about before.
1: Yeah, no, I, and I think that the Bears, in particular, with some of the moving parts and having a receiver suspended, I mean, things could certainly change with them going forward, no doubt. Um, uh, 30 seconds or less here. We don't really talk all that much about tight ends, but, Jim, I know this week's a little tough for some people. In 30 seconds, uh, with no Kittle being available this week, is is there a decent option outside of the top guys that you like? Of course, you know, Ertz Hurt, too.
4: Yeah, Darren Waller, $6,400. I think he's a great way to stack up that Los Angeles, Las Vegas game. I do like that. If you want to go a little bit lower, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, and Hunter Henry are all really good options. And then if Greg Olson can't go for Seattle, I'd love Will Disley. Will Disley, $4,600, his snap rate, he set a new season high for snap rate in two consecutive games. So keep an eye on the injury report for Seattle, not just for the running backs, but also a tight end. Because if there is no Greg Olson, I'm going to have a whole lot of Will Disley on Sunday, too.
1: Mm, Interesting there. I didn't even know that uh, Olsen was hurt. Learned something new here from Jim, as a matter of fact. Uh, All right, Jim, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. We'll catch up again next week. Thank you, Craig, and good luck to you and your contest this week. Thank you so much. Follow Jim on Twitter, at JimSanis. All of his work over at numberfire.com. We'll come back and do our picks against the spread in the Westgate Super Contest with Howard Bender next on Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome back as we approach week nine of the NFL. It's time to take a look at the lines and the lines specifically at the Westgate Super Contest as Howard Bender and I are in the Super Contest again this year and doing well again this year. A four and one week for us last week as Howard Bender joins me now. And Howard, we are right on the verge of cashing. We just got to get a couple of more four and ones and five and ohs and we'll be right there to pick up, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40 grand. Got to win the big money this year.
3: Got to win the big money this year. Absolutely. Nothing better than going four and one. We were toeing the line. We were staying just a slightly above 500. That, you know, this past week pushed us. Now we're moving forward. We're pushing even stronger, Craig.
1: We are. All right, so we're, real quick, let's review those picks for the people who didn't see us last week. We picked five games against the spread each week. That's what the Super Contest is in the NFL. And I, I thought in particular two of our better picks that worked out, the Minnesota Vikings, a very resounding win over the Green Bay Packers plus six and a half. So good job by you on that one for sure. We both agreed very much so on the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've been covering for us each and every week throughout the season. They <laughs> win outright against the Ravens. And then the one real dicey one that came down to the end, but it was a win, that Denver Broncos game where they needed literally the last play of the game to cover against the Chargers, who are just a nice little fade whenever they're a favorite. That was uh, huge, three huge of our call by you.
3: last week. Huge call by you. I, I I could not text you fast enough when that touchdown happened. That was beautiful, Craig. Yeah. Beautiful.
1: I, 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 sometimes the ugly ones come in, man. That's That's all <laughs> I got to say. Speaking of ugly, we did take one loss last week, the Tennessee Titans- as favorites going on the road against the Bengals. Titans seem to be getting too much respect from the oddsmakers. They just don't seem that good. Uh, but, you know, it's it's almost like the Titans are the same team as they were last year, except for their huge favorites <laughs> in a yeah. lot of games, which is, which is kind of bizarre. So we'll dive into them as well. Of course, we're starting with the Sunday games. Howard and I, once again, ignored the Thursday night game. We don't uh, usually touch that, just given the nature of if you pick the Thursday night game, you got to pick the Sunday games, too, and we don't like to do that. And it's probably better off that we just wait until Sunday. So let's take a look at at some of the early games on the slate to begin. The first four games on the slate, we have Seattle taking on Buffalo at Buffalo. And Seattle is minus three in this game. Line is more or less the same. Falcons are a favorite again. Second straight week, three and a half against the upstart Denver Broncos. Those Tennessee Titans, as we mentioned, Man, right back to the well. Go the odds makers again. Five and a half point favorites this time over the Chicago Bears. Tennessee having a hard time covering a lot of these games, but Bears seem to be pretty good getting number against the spread. And then we'll close this little segment out here with the Vikings taking on the Detroit Lions. And you talk about some respect here. Wow. One win over over Green Bay, Howard, based on the way Minnesota's played all year long. And then here they are against the Lions getting five and a half. Now, to be clear, as we're doing this right now, Matthew Stafford's still with a little bit of uncertainty. And so, uh, you know, certainly if that has changed, keep that in mind whenever you're watching this show, whether it's live or on demand. But of these four, Howard, is there anyone that piques your interest with a lean as we sit here on Friday?
3: If Stafford plays, I'm definitely leaning towards the Lions. You know, they're coming off a bye week. Um, You know, I know that they're without Kenny Galladay. I don't think that moves the needle enough uh, to put them at five and a half point underdogs against the Vikings who really just don't have a defense. They've got Dalvin cook, but beyond that, what are you going to do? Put the ball in the hands of Kirk cousins. I mean, it's very, very sketchy there. So I would lean lions in this one. If Stafford plays, if not, man, I tell you, I, I am almost tempted just to go back to the Titans here again, just because I'm not a believer in Hmm. the bears. Because I think Broncos, Falcons, Seahawks, Bills, I think those are trap games for us. We yeah, don't want to go against Russell Wilson, but I don't know, man. Traveling across country, that's don't tough. know what the weather's going to be like there in Buffalo. Could kind of slow things down. And wouldn't it be the way that everybody puts the money on the Broncos after watching that big comeback and seeing you know, Drew Locke doing his popping and locking on the sidelines there? <laughs> Um, you know, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, we'll take that over the Falcons," and then the Falcons just destroy them. I know. There's
1: that the Falcons Broncos game is interesting. There's two schools of thought there. The first is is that Denver, uh, you know, what what happened in that second half last week, can they repeat it? The other school of thought is uh, is Atlanta. How does anybody make the Falcons favorites in any game in the NFL (laughs) this season? I mean, they really don't deserve it, but. They did come out last Thursday and play very well. They've had extra time to prepare also against Denver, and the Broncos have been horrific against the spread on the road over the last three years. They've been awful at home. They've been all right, but on the road, terrible story. All right, let's move on to some of the other earlier games in the NFL on Sunday. We've got the Baltimore Ravens, two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Indianapolis Colts. The Kansas City Chiefs are 10-and-a-half against the Carolina Panthers. We've got the Houston Texans as seven-point road favorites over a rookie quarterback for Jacksonville and Jake Utah starting. And that line uh, has kind of gone back and forth, seven and a half, seven. And uh, the fourth game that we'll discuss here is Washington taking on the New York Giants. Washington laying two and a half in the contest. That line is now a solid three virtually everywhere else. And Howard, the one thing that we know, well, two things that we know about this game in particular is that. Washington's coming off a bye. Teams off a bye are faring well in 2020, but there's no team faring well with a bad record like the Giants. They have been fantastic against the spread this season. They just can't win a game.
3: Yeah, that's a tough one for me to to deal with. I think, you know, because what we saw against Tampa Bay last week, I think that's really fresh in everybody's mind, that the Giants' uh, defense is improving. Their offensive line gave Daniels Jones just enough time if he's going to do a quick release and that Washington line is just, I mean, that's too much, though, I think. I mean, that's really, uh, they really put a lot of pressure on there with the front seven. Um, this is not a game I want to touch. I'm intrigued, actually, by the Jaguars against the Texans. I know teams have been coming off the bye and have been really strong. But the te- it doesn't change the fact that the Texans' run defense is trash. Their secondary is kind of trashy as well. If James Robinson can be unleashed and can do some damage early on, that's going to open up the play action for Luton, who is not, I mean, he doesn't force the throws. He's an intelligent player. He does not turn the ball over. I think for, you know, seven points there, I might be intrigued by leaning that way.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Jaguars also off a bye, too, so they've had some extra time. It's not like playing playing against them. You're playing against that bye narrative. I think that that's fair as well. And on top of it, I think that this is one of those games that you're pretty clear on where after you get through the first quarter, you know if you have a shot or not. And and if Jacksonville is able to keep it close, then they have a great shot to cover, maybe even to win. But as we've seen, sometimes with rookie quarterbacks, they just completely fall flat. And and it's a wrap after the first quarter. But Texans don't seem to dominate anyone in the NFL. So why would well, this be any different? Through the first half, every yeah. Time. And, and Jacksonville played very well against the the Chargers too. They they yeah. kept fighting with them even with Minshew. So another game that we'll have to consider. Uh, okay the uh, the final let's say that let's go through the final uh, th- uh, three games and we'll get to the night games. The final three games on Sunday, Sunday afternoon or late afternoon, depending on where you live. The Chargers are now up to a point favorite against the Raiders. I do want to talk about this game. The game is in Los Angeles. Pittsburgh is 14-point favorites over Dallas. I'm seeing some 13, 13 13-and-a-half. There is some support for Dallas here, interestingly enough. There's also some support for Miami. The Cardinals in the Westgate opened up at five-point favorites howard against uh, miami but right now that line is down to four so let's let's do those three games and then we'll do sunday night monday night i want to start with chargers raiders here for a minute this this line is staggering to me this is the one that i can't figure out of the week last week the chargers were three and a half point favorites on the road in a tough place to play in denver this week they're basically not a favorite at home against a team like the raiders who I would make maybe two or three points better than Denver. I don't think that the Raiders are that much better than Denver. And by the way, the game is not in Las Vegas. It's in Los Angeles. So I guess the assumption here is the books don't want to get destroyed by everybody taking the Raiders at this point, so they can't make them a dog. That's the only thing I can think of here. And, uh, you know, for me, I think a lot of people are going to lean on Las Vegas I don't even know if that's the right side. Maybe it is the Chargers. I hate this game. <laughs> Just I, hate I, it. I yeah, don't...
3: I mean, I, I, if I had to lean, I would lean Raiders here also because I mean, the Chargers as a favorite and as a home favorite have been terrible against the spread. Always, I mean, we always end up with uh, with a game like that. So I would probably uh, I would avoid that. Um, I will happily let people put money on the Cowboys uh, <laughs> and bring this line down. Give me the Steelers. I'll lay two touchdowns. I think the Steelers defense got a little bummed out that they gave up so much rushing yardage to the uh, to the Ravens last week. They still came out with a big win, but I mean, come on. Really?
1: Yeah. Really? really i would lean arizona a little bit here too even with the five but catch us saturday night on our live stream over at wager alarm and wageralarm.com. we make our final picks at that time so these are strictly leans going into the weekend okay sunday night monday night tampa bay is a great sunday night game i don't know if i want to get involved in it but the bucks are four and a half point favorites over the saints there has been some support for the saints actually in this one and then monday night we have the patriots and jets New England is minus seven at the Jets. Uh, Howard, if I, if I find out by Saturday that Flacco is in, I may have some interest on new England, but beyond that, I don't.
3: Um, yeah. I mean, I would probably lead new England here as well. The Jets are just there in the tank. Um, and as bad as the Patriots have looked, I still think they're a touchdown better than the New York jets are uh, regularly. I'd lean the saints. They're getting Michael Thomas back. I feel like they want to get their swagger back a little bit. They need to assert some dominance uh, in the, uh, in the NFC South. And, while everybody's riding high on the return of Antonio Brown, I still think that there's like a little bit of I think there's a little bit of dissension within the uh within the Bucks. You know, you got Bruce Arians. Uh who's running the show there? Is it Arians or is it Tom Brady? Because apparently it looks like Tom Brady. And uh and I'm just curious as to how that's really gonna play out over the course of the season.
1: Yeah, I, I also don't recall a Drew Brees team being this big a dog in any game in a yeah. long time. I mean, think about that. The Saints Getting five or like even close to a touchdown. it's almost something we have not seen with Breeze in the last five or ten years. And now, with Bridgewater it was it was different. But, uh yeah, there, there seems to be some support for the Saints, bad as a favorite, pretty good as a dog. I think that's kind of the way that we'd see it. And bucks the bucks, they've been on they've been hit or miss a little bit. They've been favorites in almost every game they've played this year. All right, Howard. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I will see you saturday night over on our live stream as we make our picks of the westgate super contest at wageralarm.com thanks again for coming on
3: thanks for having me craig always a pleasure
1: all right follow howard on twitter at rotobuzzguy do a great job with fantasy football as well helping you like we do in dfs and season-long fantasy leagues we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today a little fantasy reality is on deck it is friday and you know what that means sports grid 60 as well don't go away
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Yeah, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia, as we get you ready for. The weekend here 15 minutes to go for our show but stay on the grid all weekend long we got you covered Joe including your Sunday morning extravaganza what's on tap for the weekend.
2: Oh, and an extravaganza. It will be indeed 8 a.m. Eastern right here on Sports Grid. Matt Stryker, Eric Young, and me, Joey P, taking you through week nine in the NFL. We're talking FanDuel. We're talking season-long. We're talking everything. We've got Christian McCaffrey back. We've got Michael Thomas back. We'll see if we can get those guys on the show. I'm in touch with them. We'll see if they can uh, have the time for it. But anyway... What happens to the other guys who are kind of picking up the slack? What happens to Kamara now? What happens to Mike Davis now? A lot of questions to be asked, a lot of answers to be had. So make sure you tune into Sports SportsGrid. For all of those, we will get it done for you. As always, 8 a.m. Eastern. Don't forget, that's when game day starts.
1: All right, we'll be there Sunday morning. Big? Any other big plans for the weekend, Joe? Or. Anything
2: Mandalorian. Coming? I'm finally going to do it. Yep. Uh-huh. I got no kids tonight, no kids tomorrow. Two nights off in a row. myself. Never happens. The Mandalorian begins for me this evening, my friend. I am excited to start it. I've heard nothing but good things all the way around. I've heard the season two has been pretty good to start as well. So, so that's that's very encouraging. I like that. All right. Well, I'll be caught
1: up on uh, the second season, episode two, I think by Monday for sure. But let's mm-hmm. catch you up on a little fantasy or reality as we end our program today and end the week today. Devontae Adams, after the game last night, said, Well, I guess I am pretty much the best wide receiver in the <laughs> Well, I'm glad that he feels that way. And the question is, do we feel that way? So let's make the statement. Statistics show that Devontae Adams is, but let's ask the question fantasy reality the monte adams the best wide receiver in the national football league fantasy or reality joe for you
2: he's one of but it's i think a fantasy to say that he is the best and i think that any time over a two game span you give somebody 30 targets of that talent level i don't care if it's hopkins i don't care if it's julio i don't care if it's a healthy michael thomas who we were talking about last year by the way let's not forget we live in a society where everything is right now, and only that's happening right now matters. Well, last year, I'm pretty sure there was 1,700 yards from some guy named Michael Thomas, and obviously DK Metcalf now in that conversation as well. So, look, he is one of a group of elite wide receivers, but I do not think necessarily that he is the best. I also think that whoever Aaron Rodgers has as his number one wide receiver getting that many targets, you would put in that conversation. So. Look, I mean, look at what Deandre Hopkins has done in his career with some of the quarterbacks he's played with. I mean, that's a real conversation right there. This guy's had Aaron Rodgers his whole career. That's pretty good. I mean, just now he's at Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray now, but Deandre Hopkins has been getting done with far less of the quarterback position for a very long time. So in my opinion, he's one of, but he's not the best. So I'm going to say fantasy Craig Mish. What say you?
1: Yeah, I, I would also give a caveat with him. I would say that when healthy, he is the best. No, I don't, I don't think shade he's on the health. Well, he's, he's missed some games. I mean, he's missed some mm-hmm. games over the last few years and other guys have not. And that's the truth. But when healthy, he is the best right now. And look, Michael Thomas had that role, but let's, let's also not ignore that two years ago, Michael Thomas was not the best wide receiver in the NFL. He was going into this year. And so that crown is like off all of a sudden. And it was pretty quick. Antonio Brown had that title at one point. I was right? just so, going to say,
2: Antonio Brown had a couple years of that title. He did. With a plural, he did. there's he a big did S now, at the end of now. it with years.
1: And, and look, if you're redoing a draft for 2021 mm-hmm. and you take all the data that you have right now and nothing else going into next year, you may take Hopkins. Some may take Adams. I mean, it's true. Some, some may. may you're prefer- but some are take But anybody who <laughs> would take Adams would not argue with them. And, oh. and again, Rodgers, I don't know what, what's going to happen with him after the year, too. So, so there are things to explore if this does change. But for right now, when healthy, reality. Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL. You got it. Congrats, Devontae. Okay, <laughs> let's move on now to Tim Anderson. And we got a saga already with the White Sox. It only took oh. a week. All right. Fantastic. Well, apparently... Tim Anderson has yet to speak to Tony Larussa. I don't know why this is such a big deal. He's only been the manager a week. Does Larussa need to reach out to Tim Anderson in the first few days? Uh, maybe maybe you think he does. Maybe you think he doesn't. I, I don't know. How does that work? Some managers like to speak to the guys before, some don't. I, I mean, I love Tim Anderson. Larussa is a Hall of Famer, if I'm not mistaken. Like he deserves some phone calls too. But let's just start off with this easy one. Fantasy or reality, the Chicago White Sox marriage between Tony La Russa and Tim Anderson in the end will be a happy marriage. Fantasy or
2: reality? You know, you said when this happened, you're just excited because you think it's going to be some stories from this, this hire of Tony La Russa. You said, hey, it's good theater, if nothing else. Guess what? We're already getting some good theater and we haven't even gotten what a week into this thing i don't even know if this is theater this feels like pseudo theater this feels like made up what it what's going on maybe tim anderson's on vacation somewhere i mean come on a lot of guys after the season kind of go into their own little thing in their own little world or i don't know travel's kind of tough right now but still like what are we talking about here i'm gonna put out a, a a thing here and i'm gonna go out on a limb and say I bet these two get along just fine. I think it's going to be a happy marriage. So I'm going to say reality. It will be a happy marriage between these two. And that's because sometimes opposites attract. And you know what? Tony La Russa appreciates more than anything else, Craig, talent. And Tim Anderson has talent. You know what else he likes? The burning desire to win. You know who's got a lot of that? Oh, Tim Anderson. So let me tell you. Tim Anderson, to me, from a guy who's managed Ricky Henderson and Dave Henderson and Dave Parker and a lot of guys who had a lot of things to say in the past with Oakland, I remember specifically, I don't think Tim Anderson and Tony Larissa could be a problem at all. In fact, these two might be best buds when all is said and done. So I'm going to say reality. These two are going to be walking down the aisle together before too long in Chicago, maybe even to a championship, well,
1: who knows? Well, who, who will wear the gown? In that
2: case. Uh I, you know what? I mean i i g I, I don't know. Did that Ricky Williams? Better I, Oh man, whatever happened to that guy, right? Okay. One one thing. which, guy? <laughs> never happened, which one. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it's good.
1: It's a good point. I know a what good go boy. I mean, just doing nothing, and and Ricky Williams is huge into the you know, medical marijuana, like promoting that everywhere, clearly. Yes.
2: No, yeah, i see where Ricky is, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, happy
1: is a bit strong, so I'm going to say fantasy. I don't think they'll be happy, but I think they'll make it work. Anderson, by the way, is the one that made the comments two days ago saying that uh, La Russa had not reached out to him yet. Uh, so, and look, I understand that, like Anderson is a prominent player on that team, but you know, with, with respect to Anderson, did Tony call mm-hmm. Eloy Jimenez and Jose Abreu and uh, you right. know Louis like, Robert? you ask him, "Hey, did Alex Andrew
2: call you?" No, actually, he hasn't called me yet. Like that's a perfectly good response. Why are we reading so much into it? And it's funny because what you're saying is it's not a happy marriage; it's just a marriage. Is what you're saying? Which is, that's what you're. I think they'll make it
1: work. I think they'll don't make it work. work. I will tell
2: you like that marriage. just marriage. <laughs> Well, Tim,
1: fair. Tim Anderson is more important than Tony Larusa is to the White Sox. But the, what's going to happen is is the White Sox are going to be good, and Larusa is going to get a lot of credit. And then I'm um, a little, you know, uneasy about how that may be perceived. Who is the well, most important part? They were good last
2: part. year. I understand they were good this past season, so it's not. I, I know. But I think
1: they're going to make a jump now. I think they're going to make a okay. jump, and, it, and I don't even know that it's because of Larusso, Honestly, I just think that they are due. To make a jump, and when that happens, sometimes look. Sometimes managers get too much or too little credit, and I think in this case okay. it's going to be too much. Larusa is walking into an unbelievable situation. So,
2: hopefully, they recognize that. Before Jose Canseco, I told you Ricky I Henderson. Think, think about somebody's name. lunatic advantage before. It's Come on. Really
1: and I also read. Uh, I think it was yesterday. I read that Larusa. Interestingly enough, the one confidant that he's had that has told him that he's got to like loosen up a little bit and sort of chill and relax has actually been Eckersley. Eckersley is the one that's told him, listen, it's a different brand of ball player now. You got to like go with the flow here. And and he was the one that had the thing with Price. So it's interesting to Mm -hmm. see that, that those two are so tight. Don't be surprised to see Eckersley involved somehow with this. I don't know how. I don't know why or where Mm or who. Um, Interesting. And Leland, too, by the way. Those are his two guys, Leland and Eckersley. So... I'm I'm curious to see how that plays out. It'll be interesting. All right, so this is really cool. Here, uh, somebody made a mosaic of thousands and thousands and thousands of Rubik's cubes. This was really cool. I saw it. Uh, it was it was done, and it was just so carefully made that I, I wanted to bring it up here on the show and and show it to everybody here. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a beautiful mosaic that was made. And it led me to the question that I thought was pretty fair. I I, I saw a a Netflix documentary on this not too long ago. I didn't make it through the whole thing, but I saw some of it. That you could solve a Rubik's Cube. So let's let's get into it here. Fantasy or reality, Joe, for you, you could solve the Rubik's Cube. And I'm not talking about solving it in an hour or two. Like, I, I don't care. Like, eventually, you can do it. You can solve it. However long it may take you, a day, a week, a year, whatever, you could solve a Rubik's Cube in due time. I'll use due time as the Dude barometer. Out,
2: yeah, that's the Netflix documentary everybody wants to watch. Is me day in, day out in due time trying to solve the Rubik's cube. It was rough, man. It was like the first <laughs> is ten it, minutes wait. was like really cool, and then it's like it's Rubik's about cube, one you know. human being trying to figure out the Rubik's cube. That's what that's what the documentary it was. was, it, was competi-
1: it was about the competition.
2: They have a ah, competition every year. Yeah, I see. I see. And they're um, like, look. I'm I'm the guy who, you know, you could appreciate this too. You have a daughter, you know, like when the, the, the chains or the necklace thing gets tangled, I'm the one there that will, will peel the things apart with the clothes, with the pin and stuff like that to untangle things. I have usually the mindset for those kind of banal, terrible tasks. They're like, oh, this is all screwed up. Yeah, yeah, I will fix it. Give me whatever amount of time and I'll do it. For the Rubik's Cube, I don't think I can do it. I really don't. I mean, I've everybody's had those moments where, like, look at me, I got a side. I I don't know. I feel it's very frustrating. I don't know. I don't see the out there. And uh, for me, it's probably a big fat no. And I've never done it. I think at the most, I got a side once and I thought that was it. Like, that's the end of the story. This is good. End of the movie. I've succeeded. That's great. Uh, But that is not solving the Rubik's Cube, nor is taking the stickers off like some of my friends would do, and then putting it back on. I'm sure right. you had those kids too. Those jerks. I agree. Those are the kind of people skating by life, not me. you either solve it or you don't. You're either real or you're fugazi, so forget about it. So, uh, no, not for me. I can't do it. Greg, did you ever have or solve a Rubik's Cube? I had I had one, but I definitely could
1: not solve it. I, I mean, it didn't matter how long it took. I was not good at Rubik's Cube. Like, I, I could do one side or two sides, but I, I think it's something that you train at, and you do over and over again to be good. It's I will equate doing a Rubik's Cube, maybe this is not a good uh, comparison, to juggling, right? Like that I can when do. I used to, yeah, and me too, <laughs> I can do it also. But, right. but it took time, right, to become a good juggler, right, Joe? Like it yeah, looks yeah, intimidating, it took time like, like right? But, but after doing it, and doing it, and doing it some more, you became good. I'm a good juggler as well. So I think that if I put my mind to it I could solve it consistently but I just never really tried. So it's fantasy.
2: Yeah, and and juggling is is about consistency too. It's like you know, it's about the repetition of the movement, it's about focus, it's about all these things. With Rubik's Cube, I think for me, it's always the you get some success and then immediately you lose that success when you're trying to get more success. I don't know, maybe Rubik's Cube is a metaphor for life perhaps i don't know <laughs> but all i know is it is a very frustrating device uh we do not have one in my house i did buy my kids a magic eight ball last year christmas which was very funny you know with little kids asking questions constantly and all that so that was humorous and stuff like that right now they're on the clue which is really funny they watch the Ooh. movie clue around halloween all they want to do is play clue now which is hilarious it's great so everything old from the 80s is new again but rubik's cube eh, not so much in my house
1: yeah, me either, but I'm sure we'll get back there one day, just like everything else, as you said. All right, Sports Grid 60 coming your way next right here on Fantasy Sports today. And then we're going to wrap it up for this Friday. We'll see Joe on here on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. I'll be back on Monday. We'll be right back after this. But don't go away. here on fantasy sports today on sports grid should be a fun month of November with a lot of fantasy football out of college football as we head toward Thanksgiving and the holiday season in 2020. Oh, I can't wait for that holiday season. It will be a lot of fun for sure. All right. With that, let's close out our Friday here and let's turn it over to Joe for the sports grid 60. Joe, how are you closing things out this week?
2: Are you saying Thanksgiving's going to be tricky in some households this year? Is that what you're alluding to? I guess we'll find out. Well, <laughs> i've been waiting all week for sunday night baby i cannot wait for this game all hands on deck everybody looks like they're healthy michael thomas is back you've got antonio brown back in the nfl hey chris godwin's gonna play now the bucks and all their running backs and all that mess they're gonna play you got two of hall-fame quarterbacks I'm telling you right now, this is what we've been waiting for. Week one, it's tough there. You know, these teams are just getting going. They had no real offseason to speak of. Now we're going to get an idea of just where New Orleans and Tampa really are in this game on Sunday. So, put everything else aside and enjoy the football because this is basically playoff football right here in November. So, get it while the getting's good and enjoy the game because, again, you can enjoy things even in short periods of time.
1: <laughs> Hopefully, it's not seven three final score, but you could be right. We'll see Sunday. Well, maybe right. they'll stop
2: oh, the, the game three quarters in. You know, just to, depending on who's winning. Maybe we will do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's been a tough year for everyone in fantasy football. I think you look in your
1: league and you see your first place team is five and three or even four and four. I get it. It's been rough, but this is it for me. I mean, really. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott is the last man standing in fantasy football. like he and, and he's not even having a great year. But I, I can't replace him. Uh, this is it. This is the end. If Ezekiel Elliott doesn't play this week and I don't get my six points or ten points, I do not have a replacement for him. I will not be able to find a replacement for him, and I'm going to lose. The first pick in the draft is out. The second pick in the draft is out. We've already seen the fourth. We've seen the fifth, the eighth, the ninth, the tenth, the twelfth, and almost everybody is in the second round. But that third pick with Ezekiel Elliott has been safe until now. I really don't have an answer. I I don't know who to replace him with. I'll figure it out, but I'm not going to win. I'll be back here on Monday. Thanks, everybody, at LTN. For Danny and Brett, my co-host Joe P. am Craig. Stay on The Grid.